Recorded live from the WAYOFM.org studios in the fabulous Fetter building, I am Amy Stevens. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm Woody Battaglia, guest hosting tonight as Penny is being honored by a local theater. Must be nice. And uh, my pronouns are he, him. Slash uh, uh, comedy impresario. I Sorry, I had to work that, that in for that's a, Amy, that's a leftover. Amy wrote that in for me. Uh, and today we'll be speaking with Monroe County Legislator Rachel Barnhart. Uh, Rachel has a long history in our community as a journalist and politician, but today we want to chat with Rachel about her vision on what transformation looks like for Monroe County. And of course, since this podcast is usually hosted by two transgender women, we will also be talking about what can be done by local governments to improve the lives of their transgender citizens. But for now, let's continue with that time-honored tradition of the music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because all of this is a labor of love we do have expenses and by going to transformationthursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today plus get exclusive patrons only content um if i say yes can we get on to our next segment oh god i hope so Okay then, transformationthursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday, and I'm very happy to have on our little podcast, Monroe County Legislator, Rachel Barnhart. Rachel has a long history, as Woody mentioned, um, a lot of community involvement from TV news journalists here running for New York State Assembly, ran in the primary for uh, City of Rochester Mayor, and ran for Congress at one point. In each of these elections, Rachel came up a bit short, but what I find very inspiring in her story is that she kept going and now finds herself on the county legislature here. While you might not agree with Rachel's politics, I hope you can see the passion she has for her community. Let's give Rachel a warm welcome to Transformation Thursday, everybody. So we do, do we clap? Yeah, we, we clap, we, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll just put in some audio and post or something, some sound effects. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's great to be here. My pronouns oh. are she and her. All oh, right. Fantastic. Thank you, Rachel. Glad to hear it. So, Rachel, you, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it tonight. Um, you know, let's, you, for those, since we do have a large audience, I want to pretend we do it anyway. Um, just some general background. Here all the time. Yeah. What would be your, you know, 60 second elevator speech about Rachel? 
Well, I grew up in Rochester. I'm from the 10th Ward, grew up in the Maplewood neighborhood, went to John Marshall High School and Cornell University. I just completed my Master in Public Administration from Syracuse University's Maxwell School. I'm very excited about that. And I was a journalist for 18 years, and I got really tired of doing the same stories with the same politicians, and they weren't solving problems. So I had the crazy idea to run for office. And I was not successful the first few times. I learned a lot about politics that I did not learn while I was covering politics. You really don't know how brutal it is until you're in it. Uh, from raising money to developing relationships to um, the, sh the sheer power involved in, in, in how people use power. And so I kept at it. And so I ran for county legislator uh, this past uh, year, and I won the June primary, finally came up big. And I was recently appointed to the legislature to fill out the term of the man whose seat I ran for. He vacated the seat because he moved out of the district. So still have to be formally elected on November 5th, but not really facing any opposition. Huh. Yeah, and I'm not totally up to date with your district. It's the 21st legislative district. Yeah, so the okay. 21st legislative district is really a microcosm of the city of Rochester. The northern boundary is roughly Clifford Avenue up by Donuts Delight. Mm -hmm. The southern boundary is East Avenue, where you've got the big apartment buildings and the George Eastman House, and you have some of the wealthiest residents. The western boundary is North Goodman, and the eastern boundary is roughly Winton. So you've got some of the wealthiest people in the city mm -hmm. and some of the poorest people. It covers the neighborhood's Beechwood. Uh, Homestead Heights slash Bensonhurst, Northland Lyceum, East Avenue University, Neighborhood of the Arts, North Winton Village. It is a wonderful district, and I'm so honored to represent it. One of the things that pops into my head as you're saying it and you're reading off those neighborhoods is gentrification has to be a huge issue in those neighborhoods because, you know, we were talking beforehand, I work in the insurance industry. And one of the things that I'm starting to see is that those neighborhoods, as you start to work north and even a little bit west in that area you described, which have been traditionally very minority dominated, I'm starting to see, at least on my side, a lot of younger um, Caucasian families, a lot of new buyers, you know, I would call them back in my day, maybe yuppie family. I mean, it seems like there's a huge number, huge influx going into those neighborhoods. Not sure I've seen that. However, gentrification is definitely an issue. Where I live in Beechwood, my section of Beechwood, which is mostly single family homes, owner occupied, we've definitely seen a surge in prices. So mm. that's where you start to talk about gentrification and displacement. When I moved to Beechwood in 2015, nobody wanted to live there. I got my house for a song. My house has probably appreciated at least 50% since in the last four years. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, in other parts of Beechwood, you've got a lot of homes that need investment. We have a lot of absentee landlords. We have a lot of renters. We have a lot of properties that really need an infusion of investment. When that comes, and I think it will, that's when you start to have real conversations about what's good gentrification and what's bad gentrification. Bad gentrification is displacement. Bad gentrification is when residents cannot take advantage of the wealth coming into the neighborhood. So we're going to have to monitor that situation and we're going to have to make sure that everyone can benefit. However, I think that 
we do have challenges in terms of our priorities as a community. Where do we want to place our investment dollars? And City Councilwoman, soon to be City Councilwoman Mary Lupian and I uh, really want to work to make sure that we we do development in an equitable way. No tax breaks for luxury housing developments. Let's focus on trying to rehab what we've got and making sure that our residents um, can can take advantage. Woody, do you have anything? Uh, that's interesting. I we're I was just thinking about how we're located. Uh, this is in, this is inside your district. We are in my district. Yeah, we're in the Emma neighborhood. Located right here. I mean, so okay, so that's what they call. It. And then Beachwood is nearby. Beachwood is right across the street. Beachwood oh, okay. is bounded by East Main Street, Culver Road, Goodman, and uh, Bay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So we're right there. They're they're our neighbor. Yes, and I, I live right off of Bay Street near School 33. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. So there's a lot of things going on with that, and one of the things you post on Twitter today, so, you know, we talk about, so where are those income ranges where you, the subsidies are a huge issue? And so, you know, I I looked at your thing, you know, in regards to the village of Pittsford. It's the town of Pittsford. Town of yeah. Pittsford, okay, and we recently had... I'm sure they love me today. Okay, yeah. so not the village, the town. But at the same time, when I look at that and I think of fifty to ninety thousand dollars a year, you know, I fall into that bracket. But I couldn't live in Pittsburgh on that, and so I and I don't think of myself as high income. But I also do realize I'm blessed to be higher than the median here in, in the Rochester area. So, you know, where do you draw that line with communities, though? What I what I raise an issue with today is that Pittsford is updating its comprehensive plan and some Democrats on the town board would like to see a carve out for incentives for households in the income bracket between forty five thousand and ninety thousand dollars. The median household income in Monroe County is fifty two thousand dollars. So we're mostly talking about people who make above the median. And one of the town board members framed this as a proposal that would be equitable. And he wants incentives for this bracket. And I'm sitting here in Beachwood going, uh, I'm, I don't really want to subsidize that. You know, this is um, this. I'm not sure this policy would even achieve what he wants it to achieve. Uh, if Pittsburgh wants to attract different kinds of housing, it might want to look at its zoning. And when pressed, the town board member named a development that he wants to emulate and bring to Pittsburgh. Okay, this this development has quarter million dollar condos with HOA fees and twelve hundred dollar a month two bedroom apartments. Now, I really don't think that that's what we need to incentivize in terms of tax dollars. If that's what he's talking about, and I, I think it is. I mean, we you know, if if we're really talking about equity and inclusion, um, they need to be calling for low income housing developments or, or really mixed income, which is where we, the things that are most successful, that's what we should be calling for if we really want to talk about inclusion and equity in Pittsburgh, not leaving, make it a place for everyone, not just some people. I mean, I was looking at their plan and the median house there is uh, $274,000. This is, (laughs) this is really high. And I'm just sitting here in Beachwood saying, I've got people begging me for grants to fix their roof. All right. And and so if we're going to have a conversation about incentivizing certain kinds of housing, I just don't I don't want to hear it when we're talking about that kind of housing. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And I and I think that you made a good point, because that's one of the things I live in West Aronicoid and definitely the median income is 
probably in that 52, 60 area. It's probably pretty average. Houses are very modest. Yep. And, you know, even 11 years ago when we moved here, we had a friend that's like, move to Pittsburgh, move to Pittsburgh. I'm like, no. And we ended up in West Ronacoit. And thank thank heavens we did with our for our daughter's sake. But I look at the housing situations and I look at and and I'm in and I look at roofs all the time as, again as part of my job. So definitely, you know, if we want to provide safe housing for families and keep them in these neighborhoods, I, I would tend to agree with you. We should be getting grant money for roofs and because Without a good roof, think of everything that comes into a house. I have a, I posted this story of a woman on Twitter and Facebook on Friday. I really was at my wits end. I didn't know how else to help her. Her house is, um, she's about to lose her house in foreclosure. Not because she's behind on her payments. She was behind on her payments, entered a loan modification with the bank, appears to be current on that. But while she was on hard times, uh, her roof had a leak and she had a real problem. So she lost her homeowner's insurance um, and needs a new roof. And if she doesn't get that new roof, her ho- she's going to lose her house. And she cannot afford a new roof. But she yeah. can't get grant money because she's in this loan modification and behind in her taxes. She's in this terrible catch-22. And I... And she's struggling all by herself and she can't fix this. And so I went public with it. I think we're going to solve her problem because I did that. I, I just, I just really struggle when I read things like, listen, I know that the, everyone's heart's in the right place in Pittsburgh when they want to bring in different kinds of housing and slightly lower incomes, but we're still having a conversation about exclusion, not inclusion. Yeah. So I, I just really struggle with that when I see the needs in our community. And by the way, not everything has to be an either or, but when, when our priorities are this out of whack, and let me tell you, they're out of whack. <laughs> um, when they're this out of whack, when Kamita is subsidizing, constantly subsidizing luxury housing developments, I, I just think we, we, we're just out of whack right now. We really need to talk about the, the needs of another segment of our community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I just think it, it's it's uh, you know it's a little depressing when I think about uh, I think you know I live in uh, I live in the whatever you want to call it I live in the the Lock sixty six neighborhood which is sort of a weird unofficial tiny sliver What's that? that's okay so that's between uh, it's behind Monroe Avenue so it's like uh, per, like bordered by Goodman on one side. And Monroe on the other, and it's a little sliver that runs next to 490. Oh, so yeah. it's like behind where uh, Dogtown, Hots, and Han yes. Noodle, and those businesses are there. So there's like a little neighborhood there. It's like seven streets or something. What are it, the streets? Well, uh, so uh, uh, Richard Street, Wilcox Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boardman. Sumner. Sumner Park. Rising Place. Uh, yep. Rising Place. All those. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know it was called that. Well, uh, the city has a page for it even. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I live in this, I, and it's, you know, it's pretty It's pretty much uh, fairly low income. It's mostly rentals. I mean, I have lived in this, I, look, I'm a comedian, so uh, <laughs> I'm a comedian. I gave up I gave up uh, making money for it to do uh, comedy most of the time. And <laughs> so uh, I have roommates, you know, I live in a, like in a duplex, you know, uh, house situation. And, uh, and, you know, and as bad as it feels for me, like just being, I'm like, I'm like a broke person who could make more money if I change my priorities slightly. Uh, and, but there are just so many people who, you know, are not able to do, uh, the things that, that I, that, you know, I have the luxury of giving up 
some of the things that some people can't couldn't even do because of their uh, educational situation or because of the way you know uh, uh, institutionalized racism works and that kind of thing. And it's uh, it's tough, you know, when I hear about the, you know, and I I just wonder what what people are trying to. Uh, to do to make sure that things are are a little more fair that people who have you know like their roof is falling in and we're worried about you know uh, what's happening in Pittsburgh it is it is a little disheartening I, I gotta say it's a fascinating debate though I will say that I really I really am fascinated by what goes on there yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, if you, but if you look at the numbers though I mean 50 to 90 in Pittsburgh is low income so I mean but yeah. also, oh, man. But also, I would how nice I would, of them. I would, yeah. I would love to be the on the, in that are open yeah. a little wider. Oh, man. In some I, of the comments there, it's like, oh, they can go other places and just come here and use well, us. Well, I thought the supervisor was hilarious. He says, well, you know, we've got affordable communities in Henrietta and East Rochester. They can go there. <laughs> I mean, the guy was being honest, okay? Yeah, And he sure. was being really honest in a way that I'm not sure... I'm not really sure the the folks on my team, the Democrats, were being honest, right? So mm-hmm. he was being honest. And I think the Democrats really made a mistake in trying to frame it as something equitable. Well, that's not what this is about. Just no. be honest. Just say, look, we're just trying to, we just want starter homes for our kids. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and, and there's, there's nothing yeah, wrong with that. Yeah, that's what that is. Just be honest about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no way. So we're talking about what's going on now. So, you know, you, you get elected or you've been appointed and you're going to, you, the general election is. Looks you know, like, it's strongly uh, in your favor. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, what's, you know, for your district and for Monroe County, you know, what, you know, what, what's your vision of moving forward from here? Because there are some huge challenges in our community. There are a lot of huge challenges and a lot really depends on what happens on November 5th. Are we going to get a Democratic county executive? Are we going to be able to flip the legislature to Democratic? If we do, I will have more ability to get things done, as they say, Mm -hmm. because my proposals won't just go somewhere and die in the darkness uh, as they are killed by the other party. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot depends on that. But I would definitely say I have some priorities. And, and some of my priorities are a little bit out of the mainstream. They're not things that people really talk about, but I'm hoping we can get people to talk about them. Number one, I just did my master's project on bridging the digital divide. This is an issue very important to me. It is about the lack of internet adoption in many parts of the city where we have access to the internet pretty much everywhere. It's not like the rural problem. Mm-hmm. We all have, we can sign up if we want to. The problem though is people can't afford it. They can't, they don't, they're not, or they don't feel they're ready or they don't have the equipment. They don't have the education, but this is a real problem. And the city school district has raised this issue and raised the alarm because in order to really fully participate in society, whether it's economical, educational, social, civic activity, you need, you need broadband internet. And a lot of people only have phone internet, which is also really oh, expensive. Still? Yeah. Phone? Well, think about it. Yep. A smartphone. But oh, if you that, only... Okay. I thought you meant like, like oh, AOL no, no, no. dial-up. No, but if uh. you only have your smartphone, you still... How are you going to apply for a job on your smartphone? How are you going to do yeah. a research paper? There are things that... How are you going to telecommute? I mean, there's so much that you do online now that a huge segments of our community are going to be left behind as we move further and further into this innovation age. Now, that brings me to the Monroe County Legislator. Monroe County owns a fiber network that is 80% dark. We're not using it. Taxpayers built the thing. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, so starting in the early 90s, when Monroe County did road and sewer projects, they laid fiber. 
and the network's not complete. It really needs to be upgraded to a place where other people can jump on this network, but we can do that. A consultant's report shows we can do it, and perhaps that network can be put to public use. So that's one, th I'd like to really form a task force and to look at how we can better use this network to serve the community. That's one thing. Huh. Another thing I'm really concerned about uh, is ethics and oversight. That stems from my days as a reporter. I mean, I pretty much spent my whole career concerned with government accountability. I, the Monroe, Monroe County really doesn't have a functioning ethics board. And I believe very strongly that both the county and the city need an elected comptroller. This is, I'm going to push this issue. I think we've had enough scandals, enough problems that we need, we need elected comptrollers. Uh, every other community, uh, Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany, New York City, have both city and county comptrollers. What makes, what, what's the justification for not doing it here? So in the 80s, I went to the library to some research. In the 1980s, <laughs> we went to a strong mayor and strong county executive system. Before that, we had... Uh, we had the board of supervisors and we had the city council was pretty much in charge. And we had a city right. manager and a county manager. We went to a strong mayor, strong county executive system, which was happening across the country. We were one of the last communities to do it because we believe that these executives need to be elected. And I don't disagree with that. But when they rewrote the charter for this new form of government, they kind of didn't go all the way and put all the checks and balances in. We had at the time Lucian Morin and Tom Ryan, who were heroes in our community. We trusted them. Hey, we're the place of big brother in Rochester. We love George Eastman. We love Tom Golisano. Mm -hmm. We love our we love our business guys and the big guys. And so Morin and Ryan, we trusted them. And the way they wrote those charters really shows that we gave them way too much power. And the county has had scandals. We had the LDC scandals where we set up these entities that had almost no oversight that really cost taxpayers far more money so people could enrich themselves. We had the Robotride scandal in the county. We've had problems that a county that an elected comptroller may have been able to spot well in advance. And the county's broke. Uh, and the the comptroller has said that the city of Rochester, I've identified by going through the checkbook, lots and lots of spending that really should have been caught. There should have been some oversight. The mayor's letter to citizens about the school that a judge found to be illegal. The comptroller, a comptroller never would have allowed spending on something like that or would have mm -hmm. flagged it. Those kinds of things just show why I think we need an elected official who, frankly, would be far more responsive. Um and finally, I think we just really need to continue to push to, to serve our communities in, in need. And I don't think we focus enough on innovative solutions. No, and, that, and that's interesting, too. One thing. So when you start digging through money, I mean, how many friends do you make doing that? Uh, none. So I'm really hated. <laughs> no, really. I mean, you should have seen the you should have seen how much the establishment i like to call me establishment maybe i'm part of it now i don't know uh because i'm, I'm now getting there office, you know <laughs> but the you should have seen the number of elected officials who endorsed my opponent who was virtually unknown nobody knew who he was but they endorsed him over me put their faces on mail um it was not a negative campaign in any way um, they weren't negative towards me but the message was very clear. We don't like her. I mean, we, wow. we want this guy. We don't want her. But when you think about the reasons they don't like me, it it, it is a little disturbing to me. I mean, listen, I've spent 20 years tweaking them in terms of making sure whether you're Democrat or Republican, making sure you're doing the right thing, calling out their policies, making sure they're um, being strong advocates. And that really does not get you any friends 
at all. I especially talk about campaign finance reform, how mm-hmm. our elections are funded. And it it is um, it is a really disturbing and legally corrupt. I call it legal corruption and legally corrupt system of patronage. And, um, you know, when I w- when I ran for Congress and made phone calls to get grant to get donors, I called a very wealthy philanthropist in town who told me um, they're waiting on a grant and can't help me. Hmm. People who don't even want to be seen in a picture with me yeah. because they, they, they risk their jobs. They, we're talking about real retaliatory politics. It's a real thing. Grants, jobs, contracts, you name it. Um, you know, supporting Rachel Barnhart could have really cost you actual money, jobs, whatever. And no one wants to risk that. So when I talk about politics being hard, that's what I'm talking about. And so just going Back to my original point, the reason people don't like me is because I talk about this stuff. And I think that's wrong. (laughs) I mean, look, you have a right not to like me. You have a right to think that, you know, whatever, you don't have to support me. I don't, I'm not entitled to your support. But I think when you're actively going against the woman who is speaking out against corruption, it does, I don't know, it should make you think. Yeah. I mean, I I remember... Uh, I've, I've, I follow you on Twitter. I've seen a lot of things that you've posted about, about what, uh, about what opposing campaigns have done, uh, in the, in the, the several times that you've, uh, that you've run for office before now. And, uh, and yeah, it's pretty disturbing and it's, and it's annoying that the worst part is that people are, is that people don't like you because you're calling attention to those things as if those things shouldn't matter or that makes you like a bad sport or something weird like that. Right. Right. So people like to think that, and I, it's a really good question because when we talk about campaign finance reform, one of the things that's really difficult when you talk to people about it is how do you make decisions on who to vote for? You don't like to think that it's because of the mail you get, the television ads that you see, the phone calls you get, the visits you get. People like to think that they're not influenced in any way in the decisions that they make. But the mm. fact of the matter is that money does influence people. Yeah, advertising works. Advertising works, right? It's multi-billion, many billion dollar industry in this country. So money really is effective in elections. And I've been, and people people like to think, well, you lost because no one likes you. You lost (laughs) because you have bad ideas. You lost because you didn't work hard enough. You lost because you just shouldn't have been running. People really like to make elections into these really pithy one line. This is, you know, armchair quarterback. This is why you lost because mm-hmm. you just suck. Well, maybe, right? Maybe. But elections are really complicated. Really, really complicated. I mean, I can point to the fact that, you know, I ran for Congress and spent $35,000 and got 7,000 votes. My opponent who won spent $461,000 and got 16,000 votes. Okay, who was the better candidate? Oh, wow. (laughs) You can have those, you know, the elections are, I don't know what to say. Elections are really complicated and you need to be heard. You know, it's not about being a bad sport. It's really just about talking about the realities of what it takes to get elected. And it's hard. It's really hard. And I I want people to understand what our democracy is. And and I talk about it. Right. I'm a journalist. So I like telling stories. I like telling my own story. I like 
I like educating people. I like having these hard discussions and, um, and I'm really open about it, but it, it does make me vulnerable to that criticism. And I, and I think I've learned how to have those conversations in a more productive way. I've definitely had to learn and evolve. And one of the things there, you know, you brought up the election for Congress that you ran in, like you said, I voted for you. And one of the reasons I did, and I was kind of disappointed in this, and this showed me how much establishment politics matter in this part, to have Representative Slaughter pass away, and then that machine just went straight to Representative Morelli. That, to me, just, it hit me wrong. And I just thought, you know, there's such a legacy with Louise Slaughter being a strong woman. Not to give you that fair chance was, like, the biggest reason I voted for you in that election. And and so I, I'm going to represent, I hope Representative Morelli does a great job for us. He seems, I follow him on Facebook and Twitter and in the right places. But that just hit me so wrong you know, it hit a lot of people wrong. I mean, he didn't get a majority of the vote. I really think, though, that um, um, I think he was always going to be a very formidable opponent. And, and you know, oh, yeah. I, I, I think that we like to think we're a progressive community. I don't think we are. I mean, I think he probably is very representative of the voters. Um, I think it's a real purple county. I think he's a purple representative in, in many ways. Not always. I mean, the guy's a Democrat. You know, he does vote. I think on important issues as a Democrat. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he definitely represents um, a, a certain kind of politics that I'm not okay with. Yeah. And you could just tell he has that, the, that political machine behind him. So yeah, totally. I saw that in the primaries. And- $461,000. I mean, you just, you, yeah. there's nothing you can do and not you listen, you don't need that much money to beat someone like that, but you, you can't have only $35,000. You know, I think yeah. Robin Wilt spent $72,000 came in third place. I came in second. I mean, you've got to have more than that. Right. You just, you're just not going to play. You're not, you're not <laughs> even going to come close to playing. It's uh, yeah. It's disheartening to think about how, uh, about how much uh, money plays a part and about how entrenched and kind of intractable, uh, intractable the you know uh, current situation is at any time. Uh, you know, I mean, did you, uh, when, uh, you know, there's a story, did you see that documentary about the freshman congresswoman? I can't bring myself to watch it. Why? I've heard the, I just can't bring myself to watch it. I, I love AOC uh-huh. and I know about the part where she's, you know, outside the theater. I don't want to go in. I'm going to lose. Like, I know what that's like. I don't, I can't, I it's just too, can't. too close to home. And it is. And I know that that also features some women who were not successful. It is way too close to home. I just, yeah. I can't, I don't feel like reliving that experience. Sure, sure. I just, I don't want to relive it. I, I just, I just want to move on. Mm. When you, when you see something like that though, like when you see, uh, that, uh, you know, these, uh, young women kind of, uh, breaking through, you know, sort of the established uh, amazing. system within the Democratic Party. I was a little ahead of my time. You know, when I ran in 2016, the stuff that I faced was pretty horrendous. The sexism mm-hmm. from fellow Democrats. I can't believe you're running. Who do you think you are? You should know your place. You're just a pretty lady from television. I was shocked and dismayed by how I was treated and how much people tried to control what I did and, and who gets to run for things and the anger at me just for running for office. In 2018, you never could have run that kind of campaign against me ever right. because women everywhere were breaking through and doing that. And I think Hillary Clinton's loss, as devastating as it was did teach everyone that um, 
to teach everyone about kind of the obstacles that women face in campaigns. I mean, her loss, again, was very complicated. As I said, election losses sure. are extremely complicated. But misogyny was a factor, and we can't deny that. And um, the the expectations for women, how the press treats women, how voters treat women. I mean, listen, when I ran for Congress, I would knock on doors. I am 43 years old, and this race was just last year, and I had people ask me all the time, how old are you? What? I just, oh my I'm God. I'm 43. And you when you ask me that, ask me I know. a 43-year-old man that. I know I'm done. If you're asking me, if you're asking me my age, and by the way, people did not mean it in a mean way. They weren't being, they weren't being mean to me at all. And in fact, they thought they were being complimentary, I believe. But you're, you're, you're. I, I, you're implying that I don't have the right to be at your doorstep asking for your vote to, to be in Congress, even though, my goodness, women from all over the country were running for Congress who had never mm-hmm. held elected office before. I have tons of experience that's relevant. And I don't know, it, I'm telling you, it's just it's just different to run as a woman. It's just sure. different. Yeah, I mean, constantly. My tone is constantly policed. It's policed now, even. Um, I've, but I've learned to navigate that and just get better. I, I can't. I can't necessarily be one hundred percent authentic. I really, really have to. Nav- I really have to watch everything I say and watch my tone. I still, I still think of myself. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, I have to really moderate a lot. Yep. So we've talked a lot about that. So, but this is a, ho- a show usually hosted by two transgender women. I know. Women. I was waiting for us to get there. Yeah. So, so let's 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 we kind of well, we're just going to segue straight into it. So, what the hell? Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, I mean, so what can county government do to make the life better for its LGBTQ citizens? Well, first of all, I mean, employment protections are huge. Uh, we have got to make sure that we are offering fair employment and hiring and due process. Um, we Employment protections are huge because we certainly don't have them at the federal level. And I think that's a big one. We have to make sure that children in schools are protected. We have to pass, uh, you know, um, you know, we did pass gender, and I think that's really important. And I think we've got to make sure that at a local level that these are our values. These are our values. We have to make sure that LGBTQ parent, parents have access to the foster system. Um, we have to make sure that, um, yeah, I, hit, I think I hit, oh, the healthcare system as well. Uh, we have to make sure that our healthcare system is um, treating people fairly. So I think, and, and I am always learning and open and willing to learn more about what the needs of the community are. Yeah, and I think you, we talk, let's, let's talk about schools here for a quick minute. I mean, so I know somebody in my life who's transgender is in high school and the, you know, the locker room issues, how, how do you navigate that? Because they're not straightforward there. And so, you know, I think we have to let the youth lead the way in many ways. You know, I've interviewed, uh, transgender high school students and some of them were not interested in participating in the locker room. They wanted their own private space. Okay, good. Let them have that. There were others that really wanted to be with their gender. They should just have that opportunity. Um, you know, (laughs) I think we get really caught up in the minutia of this issue. The fact is I go to the downtown YMCA. I have no idea the gen. I have no idea who's in the locker room, who's transgender, who's not. And I don't care. It's none of my business. But the fact is we all have to change our clothes. And I don't ever remember feeling like 
something's, I have to look at everyone and police them and make sure it, it come on, yeah. come on. Yeah. No, everybody's like, we need to get into the real, to be seen themselves. we need to just get into the real world here and the real, and we, and we have to stop thinking about anatomy so much. That's not what this is about. Um, yeah, you'd think that everybody was six years old or something. It's, it's really, I mean, in the way that the, their lack of maturity about the, about these topics. I think we should let kids lead the way, honestly, because sure. adults are, no, the adults are more doing a terrible than the job. Kids who, than the adults who are acting like younger children. Right. Well, and what I find, I have a, I have a fifth grader now this year. And one of the things we, the, the issues come from the parents at home yes. and they're projecting onto their kids and, our kid, my fifth, my fifth grader has kids in their, in their class that are transgender, non-binary already. And to them, it's no big deal. No. Yeah. Let kids, let kids lead the way. It's really normal for them. And they, they're not thinking about their, they're not thinking about sex all the time and they're not like us. So we just, we just have to stop this. Yep. We really have to stop this. So I I will support any any efforts at all. Uh, I mean, we do have gender now, but I will support any efforts to make sure that our kids are protected. Yeah. And gender was a big deal for me. That was actually, you know, pre-2019 here. I, that was one of the things holding me back from going full time. And that gender protection, uh, for those of you not familiar, Gender, gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act is the actual... Um, term for that law now. And that was one of the things that once New York passed it, Governor Cuomo signed it into law. That's one of those things that finally gave me the courage to come out at work and to make that full-time transition in my life. That's because, wonderful. And so yeah, that's, that's a huge deal. It we've is got huge. to have this stuff nationally though. Yeah. I mean, we've got to. And, um, and, but I also thought though, I've heard that Monroe County, their human resources, I mean, they do get caught up in gender, like making people pick one and, you know, that kind of stuff really has to stop. Um, we have to, we just have to really reframe the conversation and, and reframe what is gender. I know I've learned an awful lot and, um, and, and, and I think it's a process and, but I think we have to give people credit to, to come along with this. Can I get from my point of view as as a transgender woman who's out in public a lot? Um, you know, recently I was at a restaurant. They didn't have a one seater bathroom. And so I actually, you know, waited to go to the bathroom till I could get to some place that had, you know, right. single seats. You know, I, I keep that single occupancy with single a lock on the door, the kind of thing. that kind of thing. But the other day, I'm at another restaurant that has the single occupancy, but they're but they're labeled male, female. Like as if that could possibly matter at that point. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really appreciative of a lot of restaurants now aren't doing that. I was just at Palizzi's at Village Gate. They have two single occupancy bathrooms and they're both labeled male, female. They're both, you could, anyone could use yeah. any restaurant. Yeah, I see more all the time. It's, 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 see it's more nice. of it in the city. I mean, of course, yeah, it's here in the city where obviously you're going to find you know, more, a higher concentration of liberal yeah. people. Well, you know. And I can also tell you women love it because we take longer to go to the bathroom. So, right. so uh, if you get, that's, that's two bathrooms when there used to be one, correct. or you might have to wait. Maybe you don't have to wait. Oh, this time. No, no. Since transitioning, my, my going to the bathroom has increased fivefold. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I used to go into the men's room. Let me tell you, if it sure. was a single occupancy, I would go in. What does I'm, it not matter? I'm not waiting, you know? So, but is there, is there a way at the County level to get some type of, law that says hey if you have these single seaters just mark them unisex you know i don't know you know that would probably cause a huge is, uh, yeah. uproar is there a I law don't know. that requires 
I don't I'm, think I'm so. Not, I'm uh, not talking multiple occupancy. No, I know. I really like that idea. Um, yeah. So what I would want to do is first, I would want to talk to the transgender community and see if that's a need. And then I would want to talk to restaurants and just see how they feel about it, you know? Right. And, um, and then sure, I would be very happy to introduce legislation because we should be all about making people feel safe and welcomed. And I bet a lot of restaurants would happily do that. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of curious as to what the, what the, the health code or what the, uh, or zoning or whatever for a restaurant or whatever kind of establishment. What are they you required? Have to I know have... you have to have bathrooms, but I'm wondering if it's required that you have a male and a female bathroom or, or if it's no, like it's, how, not. it's how many like per what your occupancy no, is mean, or anything like that? Or? No, it's not. There are some restaurants that only have one bathroom. Well, those true. ones kill me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are, yeah. <laughs> End up waiting forever. Yeah, on a Sunday morning after grandma gets done with church. Right. And then that's, that's high traffic in there. Yeah, yeah the, the, the the less bathroom you have, the I, and more also, that one bathroom. I mean, even just raising awareness could be a huge way to just tackle this problem and right. just, just let people know, hey, you have customers who want to feel safe and comfortable, and how do you feel about this? Yeah, and that's, and that's all, you know, as a transgender woman, that's all I want is just to be able, you know, in public, my biggest fear are, are bathrooms. Bathrooms, yeah. Bathrooms. Something yeah. so essential to everyone's life, a bathroom. Well, yeah, well, and of ya. course, bathrooms have become, you know, politicized in the last three years, you know, I, however it many just, years. It's, it's, just, so, it's, just, it's so, just so frustrating to me. It's so frustrating. Yeah. the uh, People say, you know, the LGBTQ pride flag is a political statement. And it's like celebrating who we are as people is political. I mean, in, in that conversation is just so tiring and I just can't deal with it anymore. Where are we with time, Woody? How long have we been on this? Uh, we're... Uh... We're good. Whatever. You, if you get uh, you get another uh, question, we get anything else. Is there yeah, anything? I think I think we're at a good jumping off point. What do you think, Rachel? No, I I really enjoyed speaking with both of you, and I'd love to come back. Oh sure. Um, you know when I've been on the ledge a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. And I, if if you have any ideas, let me know. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, I I guess I did have one last. I, I'm just curious. so they. So you get appointed to this thing. You you didn't know that that was about to happen, or did you have an idea that you that? No, this... I mean it all happened really quickly. Pretty much the whole neighborhood knew that our legislator had moved out of the district, and so I figured it was probably only a matter of time. Now there was no guarantee that I would be appointed, but right. since I had won the primary, it really was the right thing to do sure. that I would be appointed. I mean, voters had already picked the successor, mm -hmm. Democratic voters who make up like. 60, right. 60 so rather, 65%. Rather than, so that would be weird if they appointed somebody else. It would have been weird else. and insulting, and yes. Then that per, and then that person would run against you? No, no, the person wouldn't or, have been on oh, the no, ballot. It would have just oh, been a have... placeholder for the remainder of the year. Oh, right, yeah, so that'd just be it weird. It makes to sense have to let me get going. Let then... me participate in the budget process. Let me start, right. start serving early. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. And I've already um, really had an opportunity to think more deeply about a lot of these issues. And, right. to, and, and now that I have my legislator hat on, I'm always thinking – you know, we had this terrible house explosion on, um, Illinois street. And, oh yeah. And, and this is someone who lost his home to foreclosure. And so now I'm thinking, okay, this is my district. This is, this is a foreclosure issue. What's Monroe County doing to help these individuals? I just told you about the roof person who's not in my district, but I'm thinking a lot about this issue. And if there's something, I don't want to introduce legislation just to do it. I mean, what, is there something that we can do that can be effective? Mm -hmm. And, um, I have some work to do to find out what we're doing and if there are gaps that, that we can fill and, and do something 
so in an effective way. So though that's kind of how I'm thinking. So I'd love to come back and, and kind of share my experiences. Oh yeah. yeah we'd, we'd, we'd love well, to hear uh, more about it. I'm sure at that point we'll probably have Penny back and I'll, yeah. I'll just be a listener, but it'll yeah. be, Do you know, my dog's name is Penny. It's a great well, name. It's a great <laughs> it name. A great yeah. Name. It's a great name. So, well, thank you very much, Rachel. Thank for, you. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, and we'll be right back with our conclusion and more of Transformation Thursday in a bit. If you'd like to support Transformation Thursday, you can do so in the following ways. On Facebook, like the Transformation Thursday podcast to support us financially. You can do so by going to our Patreon page by typing www.transformationthursday.com into your browser of choice. On Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe to Transformation Thursday. And on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write us a short review. It's free, and it really helps to get Transformation Thursday out to a broader audience. Finally, Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material, all rights reserved, 2019. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. Woody and I are just going to do a quick little wrap up here. What do you, what, what do you take away from that fantastic interview with Rachel Barnhart? Uh, you can really tell that she's been through the ringer and, but it, and you can see that there are obviously there are moments where, where she's felt, uh, felt pretty low and, and maybe considered giving up politics altogether. You could just see that, you know, now she's got something going and she's obviously she's jumping right in. And uh, and seeing what she can do for the community, uh, that kind of thing. She seems like she's got her head screwed on straight. But boy, uh, yeah, women get put through the ringer in politics and everywhere else. And when you're under that kind of scrutiny on this local level, people really there's a lot of this. People are mean. It's tough. It's tough. You know, I mean. I don't know. I've been uh, I've been uh, subject to some uh, to some uh, some bullying and some harassment, and it's nothing. It's I, but I want to say it's nothing compared to what uh, a a a notable uh, woman will get. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And and I took the same thing away from that, but I also took away that, you know, on top of the sexism that's out there, but also the the, the cronyism in politics and how that big machine works here in New York State and especially here in Monroe County, how it's still very active. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're on the wrong side of it, it can be very difficult for you. So, you know, and I... The thing you mentioned about the elections, you know, she lost a few and she didn't, but she kept plugging away and she found her spot. And I think, you know, that says a lot about her. Yeah, yeah it's really it's really telling. And I uh, it must be very painful for her to see which we were talking about that documentary, like the idea that that just a couple of years later uh, uh, during the during the midterm elections, just the next cycle, uh, a lot of women were breaking through and that the that the kind of you know gendered attacks uh, against her were were less successful or less allowed or less less favorable with the public are uh, you know that that you know if it were if it had just been a couple of years later maybe she would have maybe she would have won or maybe she would have raised more money and had a better showing it's it's tough yeah. you know but it, it's good that she's uh, that she's on the legislature I'd just like to see somebody who's passionate succeed at something. And, you know, and I would have to look to, to see if I agree with all of her policies and all that kind of stuff. But of course, you're going to disagree with people about something or other. But she seems like a decent person, you but, know, having met her in person. Yeah. But even if you don't agree with her, you know, one thing I think I walk away from this is this her passion for her neighborhood, her city and her community. Yeah. I, I, you can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And And the fact that she seems to be against. Uh, that she's against corruption. She's against. Uh, Who's she's, against corruption? I mean, yeah. A, yeah, but you know what? I mean, 
everybody says that they're against corruption if you ask them, but not too many people turn it into like a uh, uh, like a thing that they're campaigning on or a thing that, that that's at the True. top of their agenda. You know, campaign finance. You know, it's tough for a politician to t- to be pro campaign finance reform because that's how people get elected. But then. You know, uh, so I'm I'm for anybody who wants to jump into those waters because it's very obviously it's very needed. Obviously, the money in politics situation is, you know, gross and uh, and uh, and, you know, is classist and favors. Yeah. Favors favors companies over people and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And I, you know, and I think that's kind of the big rise in left wing populism these days is this that exact sentiment. So, you know, putting people first over big money, hopefully will become in vogue here so but i think it's a good time for us to wrap up hey yeah. Woody, hey woody thanks so much for coming in uh, yeah thanks for putting up with my uh my dumb questions no your questions <laughs> are fantastic there's no such thing as dumb questions only stupid amy wait, wait, <laughs> what yeah oh. that's what i yeah that's what uh, that's what they always say when you yeah. that you can look up that uh that old uh chestnut uh in your uh bartlett's uh yeah. you know uh, quotables or whatever so woody if people want to look up you and find you online twitter and all that stuff you know your podcast and look, give yourself a little plug here uh all right so i'm woody battaglia my last name is spelled b-a-t-t-a-g-l-i-a you got a silent g in there just like lasagna uh battaglia so that's uh you can find me online at all of those places at woody battaglia twitter instagram facebook also you can listen to my podcast two date minimum that's at two date minimum on all the places you would uh, uh all the aforementioned places and that's a podcast that i have with comedian madeline smith and we talk about doing comedy and we talk about relationships and sex and uh, we just had amy on uh just a couple episodes ago so if you missed that one and you're tuning in for rachel barnhart today i would suggest that you check out amy stevens on two date minimum i think it's like episode number 19 it's great Yep, it is. That was a lot of fun to talk about, and it was it was great having you here. So, Woody, we're going to – hey, why don't we say goodnight to everybody? Good night, everybody. Good night from Transformation Thursday. Until next time, we're going to do that music swell and fade out one oh, more so, time. So oh.